Today, we're going to talk about the top killer of most small businesses. Yes, it's the elephant in the room in plain view. It's silently crushing your bottom line and squeezing the life out of you and your business. She's a respected and trusted business advisor, an Ivy League business expert, best-selling author, and no-nonsense lawyer. She's Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Whether you're an entrepreneur or an intrapreneur working for someone else, I want to give you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Because no one likes getting blindsided by what you don't know but somehow should or getting stuck paying for it later. Think of it as a mini MBA and school of hard knocks wrapped in one and on steroids. This is Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by Business MO LLC. And here to tell us about what that is and what you can do about it is small business consultant and motivational speaker, Denise Ryan. In a moment, she'll reveal that critical mistake many startups and small businesses make that destroys their dream of financial independence and entrepreneurial freedom and what you can do to keep from falling prey to this deadly force. But first, let me tell you about this dynamic lady. Denise Ryan is the owner of Fiverstar and shares the business wisdom she's acquired through the years of experience as a consultant and advertising executive through training and motivational speeches. Her clients range from small businesses to trade associations and even the Department of Homeland Security. And in a few minutes, you'll understand why she's known as the motivational pyromaniac whose infectious energy, humor, and enthusiasm will set a room ablaze. She's not only witty, she's also smart. Denise holds an MBA from the Moore School of Business at the University of South Carolina, and she's a published author. She wrote, Do You Burn? A Guide to Helping You Get and Stay Motivated. What a treat to have you on the show. Welcome to Business Confidential, Denise. Hi, Hannah. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Oh, gosh, this is wonderful, wonderful. All right, well, enough with the suspense. What is the top killer of most small businesses? Tell me. Dun, 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 dun. I think it is a terrible understanding of marketing and sales. And I think it's outlined very well in Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth, where he talks about how 40%, 40%, I can't believe it, of small businesses fail in the first year. And I really attribute that to they just don't understand about marketing and selling. So that's what I thought we could talk about today and save them from that peril. Well, certainly, I would love to save small businesses so, so that they can continue with their initial mission to help people with their goods and services. But uh, tell me, how come it's so misunderstood? After all, we're all consumers in our, our other lives. We've been sold to. So what is it that's so mysterious that we continue to get wrong uh, in our startup mode and as small businesses that then causes us to fail. I think this is what I think happens, and there's nothing wrong with this. So many people approach a small business because it's their passion. They're passionate about it, whether it is their cupcake shop with grandma's special cupcake recipe or it's their consulting, whatever the business is. They're very passionate about it, which is good, and that's a key ingredient for success. But then when you ask them the key question, who is your target market? They usually enthusiastically say, 
everyone, everyone wants my gluten-free cupcakes, or everyone needs to hear what I have to say. And oh. you and I both know, Hannah, that is not the case. Right, right. And, and a lot of times I'll ask them, I'll say, all right, well, what's one thing, just the basic thing they have to have to be in your target market? And obviously, it's going to be a certain amount of money. You know, to be a, a, a customer, they have to have money. So we're going to be looking at things like income levels. Depending on the business, it would be geographic area. You may have the best cupcakes in the world, but people aren't going to drive 500 miles to get them most likely. So we're going to be looking at that, all those different things to really pinpoint who the buyer is. And a lot of that's doing their homework before you even start the business. And a lot of people don't do that. I see. So when you talk about marketing, let's define that a little bit for those folks who don't have the marketing background. What do you mean by that and, and compared to sales? A lot of people confuse those two if that's not their area of expertise. Right, absolutely, and that's a great question. What I define as marketing is everything you do to create awareness about your business, and it could be signage, it could be Facebook posts, it could be billboards, it could be uniforms, anything, everything you're doing to kind of create awareness. And then I define selling as when you're face-to-face -face or on the phone or emailing back and forth with someone who can make a buying decision. That's how I kind of de define selling. So I think of marketing as all that stuff you do to create awareness. And I'll give you an example of why I think target market is so important. Well, and we'll use the cupcake example for lack of, lack of another one. Let's say we have a cupcake store, and she's very excited, and she wants to says, oh, I've got to have a great Facebook page. Well, how in the heck is anybody even going to find that Facebook page? Until she creates some buzz, she's going to have to think about how can I get people to my store. So it might make more sense, and this is, would be old school, to stand out there with a clicker before she even picks her location and see how many people are walking by every day. And if there's no foot traffic, is that even the right location? But let's say she's already got her location. It might make more sense to go to the surrounding businesses with flyers, which is totally old school. But some of those methods may make more sense when you're thinking about the target market, which might be people that are going to be there for breakfast or walking by for lunch or on their way home to take some treats to the kids. So uh, did that kind of clarify the difference between the two maybe? Yeah, it, it does. But for maybe some listeners who are now just totally confused about, okay, my target market, yeah, I think everybody could benefit from my cupcakes or service or whatever it is that they're so passionate about, which caused them to think their livelihood or take this leap, because it is a leap of courage and a leap of faith and Absolutely. a belief in what they have to offer. What is the best way for them to get their arms around it? So hard because you almost have to take that individual business. But let's say that somebody wants to become a well, use speaker, for example. A lot of people always ask me, how do you get into the speaking business? And the first thing I did was I thought, okay, who hires speakers? I thought that was a much easier place to start than contacting, say, every business person in the world because you could argue, well, they all need training and all their employees need motivation. But some companies never bring in speakers. So if I approach them, I've got to do double the sales work. I've got to convince them it's a good idea to bring in a speaker and then convince them they have to pick me. But if it's an organization that regularly brings in speakers, it's half the work. 
So I think it's really kind of doing a little bit of homework. Like in the cupcake example, you know, a lot of people aren't going to spend their extra money on cupcakes. So you would look at a certain income level and you'd have to probably go, I don't know if there's a cupcake association, but I know there's probably a baker's association. I know there's a grocer's association. There's probably a restaurant association, which would actually have stats on cupcake stores and see who is the most likely cupcake buyer. And you may find and I don't know that I'm going to make this up. Let's say we find that it's women, and it's women between the ages of 20 and 50 at income levels of, I don't know, 50000 and above, and they have college degrees. And they're going to travel no more than 10 miles to get a cupcake. Wow. Now we've got a group we can get our arms around. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. But I'll bet you that there are some folks listening who are – Game changers. In other words, they have a product or service that is brand spanking new. I mean, mm-hmm. 30 years ago, nobody heard of Google. What is that? Right. You know, the Internet. Right. I mean, you have these disruptive technologies and products that they don't have an association yet. What is going to be their game plan right. for well, saying, still, hey, you yeah. need this app? Yeah, I still think... And again, you're right. If it's something that's so crazy I can't even think of it, then that might be harder. But let's take Google Glass, for example. There's a game changer. Wow. Yeah. First of all, it was very expensive. So right away, people have to have a lot of money to be able to spend on this. And with something with innovative technologies, there's kind of a core component of early adopters. A lot of us are going to hang back and say, well, we'll wait and see what happens. But there's that core component, usually young, usually affluent, probably mostly male. And again, I don't have the stats, but if it's a technological innovation, I bet you would find that core group, and it would, and then it would be thinking, okay, what are these? And we'll just use Google Glass as an example. What are these nerdy, rich guys? What are they doing? Oh, well, they all follow the XYZ blog, or they all listen to Hannah's radio station because they're on the cutting edge of business. So you need to get on there. So it would be whatever that group of people is is doing, listening to, getting information from. That's the channel that you would want to be in. So I still think it, it, it'll somewhat apply. Definitely, definitely. It's really about drilling down. And, it is. You know, sometimes that's hard, though, for people that are so close to their product or service. Yes, and, I know it is. <laughs> you know, it, it's like that, that elevator pitch telling people, well, what do you do? And, you know, let me see, I need to put that in ten words. Whoa, where do I begin? <laughs> right, I right. freak over that, right? Um, so if somebody wanted help in something like that, and you were in advertising for years, what are some of the people make um, when it came down to like encapsulating, you know, this is, this is it. This, this right. is the magic right here. Right. I think in this, you know, a lot of people aren't going to like this. If you're already in business, it's too late to do the research. So let's say you've already gotten in business and you're kind of struggling. You know, it's not doing as well as you would like. What I think you have to do is look at all the things you're doing and be ruthless with them. And I'll give you a very good example. I was um, speaking about networking events. I was speaking to a group, and this gentleman was a partner in an accounting firm. So they clearly needed to get clients. And he had been going to his rotary group for years. You know, rotary, it's where it is now is a whole other story. But back in the day when he started going, I guess it was a great place to go and network. And he realized, Denise, I've never gotten any business 
from that Rotary group. So I said, quit going. <laughs> Either change what you're doing <laughs> or go somewhere else. But that's part of it is we do stuff. I can remember, God, 15 years ago when I was telling people, you got to let go of the Yellow Pages. And they didn't want to let go. They were afraid. They were terrified if they let go of the Yellow Pages advertising, nobody would find them. But now, you know, people know it's all about SEO and, and people finding you on the web. But again, it's it goes back to target market, you know, and, and how does that key group find information about what you sell? For a cupcake lady, it might make more sense to donate some cupcakes at a PTA meeting and all the teachers and, and moms go nuts and you become the cupcake provider of choice because your cupcakes are so awesome. So it's it's just thinking about who is going to buy a lot of what I'm selling. <laughs> and stepping back, and sometimes I think small businesses in particular, they're so busy trying to keep the lights on and taking whatever comes through the door that sometimes they'll take even the wrong types of business just to have some business, and then that creates a downward spiral um, yeah, and ultimately that doesn't move them forward. No, that's a great insight, Hannah. And and you know, that's and it is hard. In the lean times, you, you, you almost panic and think, okay, I can do that, and I can do that, and and that, and usually we learn from those mistakes and say, wow, you know, I, I wound up putting up so much work and so much into that, and then it really wasn't what the client wanted, and I should have stayed in my core area. So I do think it's paying a lot of attention to what customers you really resonate with and who your tribe is. But then the challenge with that is you've got to make sure there's enough of your tribe in your market. You know, if you were going to open a, a gluten-free restaurant in a teeny tiny little town in rural North Carolina, it may not necessarily be a bad idea, but not in that town. It's just too small. Um, right. So right. It, in that case, they might have to retool and say, well, what does this market want? But you're right. The time is hard. And one thing I think that whole ruthless factor, one thing entrepreneurs have to ask themselves, I think, every day is, am I doing things that are busy? They're just keeping me busy or are they really productive? Because we can all be busy. We can go to the post office and get the mail, and we can go to a networking event, and we can be really busy and not have booked one bit of business or not have sold one thing. And at the end of the day, if you don't sell anything and you don't make any money, you don't have a business. Yeah, that's that's very true. And it's easy to get caught up in the, well, you should go to this network meeting, and you should go to this. And um, until you know whether it works for you or not, you, you know you need to be open to it because maybe it will. There comes a point, as you pointed out, where you have to sort between the possible versus probable, and you want to go to those places where you have higher probabilities of success as opposed to that one in a thousand because the return on your investment in terms of time and money, because you have to travel there, it may cost you a lunch. None of these are big ticket items necessarily, but your time you'll never get back. And yeah. over the course of a year, when you start to add up how many lunches and, all right, did it generate any business? No. Well, is it really moving relationships forward? Because people are in different parts of buying cycles. Some, some types of products or services take longer to sell. And that's understandable. But if you're not seeing any progress, you don't have any benchmarks, then I, I certainly agree with you. It's time to pull the plug. Kill it before it kills you. Yes. <laughs> it is about being ruthless and, and uh, working on your business, not just in it, staying busy. 
that's for right. sure. I'm so curious about your experiences in the advertising world. Because sometimes people think, oh, advertising, I'll just put a nice full-page ad in whatever glossy magazine and that, that's going to work or whatever. What are some mistakes that you've seen small businesses make in advertising when they could have spent their money better someplace else? Right. I think, you know, that's a great, such a good question, Hannah, because advertising is incredibly expensive. And with entrepreneurs, it's the expense of paid advertising. It's also, and I am really struggling with this myself, so I'm sure some of your listeners can relate to this, I struggle with the time that things like social media take. Because for me, sometimes I don't think it's worth, I don't think the ROI is there because I know that meeting planners are not finding me on Facebook. But they say, well, if you're not on there, then you look like a loser. So so it's very hard to pick a lane. But as far as paid advertising goes, I think if it's, it's got to be very well designed, you have to have an incredibly good offer and it's got to be very well placed. And whether that is, you know, online, electronic, or in a print publication, or TV, or radio. And I tell most small businesses, you don't have the money to do it right. So you have to, that's why, depending on the type of business, you may have to devote the time to things more like Facebook. Or I spent a lot of time initially face-to-face networking and built my business very heavily on relationships. But it depends on the type of business, but I've never done any paid advertising in my business, and to this day, I don't. I wouldn't do it because what makes more sense for me, I actually do old school. I have a newsletter to a very targeted mailing list. Now we did a lot of direct mail at the ad agency, and people say, "Oh, direct mail is dead. Everything's electronic," and I disagree because if your competitors are all doing electronic, you can really stand out. Now it all depends on target market with direct mail. But whether you do direct mail or electronic or paid, content is still king. It's got to look good. It's got to have something of value to the recipient. Too many businesses just push out offers that's all about them and and not any value to the recipient. I mean, the great thing about your show is it's all about offering benefit to the listener. And that's why people will will tune in. There's a benefit there, whereas some, some small business people just don't know. They don't understand that. Well, I think that's true, and if anything, social media has made people even more savvy about what's in it for me. They're getting bombarded by messages more than ever before, so if they're not getting any benefit, they've already tuned out. They've clicked to the next thing, and Mm -hmm. uh, you have a very, very short attention span and a short period of time in which to capture their attention and certainly their hearts and minds. But I hear what you're saying about direct mail because I, some marketers that I have worked with in the past, they, it's far from dead. And if anything, it's making a resurgence because all you have to do is look at your own mailbox. How much yeah. junk mail do you get anymore? It used to be like clogged. And people are just saying, oh, well, an email is cheaper. But now your email inbox is clogged. <laughs> I mean, how many things do you not even open? You know, delete, delete, delete. You know, oh, this person again, delete. How did I get on this list? Delete they're gone. They're out of here. And so something that captures your attention in the mail, especially if it looks like it's a personal letter, who writes letters anymore that are personalized? Right. That, right. that probably has an open rate. Yeah, I think so. I think I think it all, and, and the reason I started off with that whole lecture about target market 
is that's going to determine everything. You know, if, you're, if your target market is going to be college-educated people, the message would be different than, than if it's right. not. If it's women, you might use different colors and fonts, and even electronically, than you might use for men. And if you, don't, if you try to be everything to everybody with your marketing, it winds up being nothing to anybody. It has to be very generic in that case. Um, right. Sometimes the more of yourself you can bring in, and I'll share this example because I, I, I just think it's so funny. Um, I have, speak a lot to CPAs and had spoken for the North Carolina and South Carolina CPA associations many times and thought, okay, I'm going to market to all the other state CPA associations because I'm a good fit for them. So I'd sent letters and I had done all kinds of different things and not gotten a lot of response. And then I sent this last letter and I think I, I'm a big true crime fan, which fits in so well with our topic of killing people. And I talked about in the letter how, um, you know, my rates were affordable and I had never been convicted of a felony nor been featured on an episode of Dateline. And then I closed with saying I would also be willing to help them hide a body if they brought me in. And that letter got, oh, God, I think I got five calls out of 20 letters. I mean, it just and, and wow. that was the CPAs. <laughs> Wow. They have a sense of humor. Who knew? I know, right? <laughs> but it, it shows if you bring in something that you think is funny or you think is unique, it, that that can work. So it is being different and standing out and offering value, but but the marketplace is definitely looking for things that are different or, or random, for lack of a better word. But don't be afraid to, I mean, that's why most of us got into our own business. We want to have freedom to do those kind of things. And then we get exactly. kind of scared to do them. So. <laughs> well, so much of it is trial and error, you know, and that's, that's why sometimes these people that, well, here's a template, you know, just fill in the blank. It's like, that's like a used Band-Aid. You know? <laughs> it worked once, but I don't want their cooties. <laughs> I need to personalize this. I want a clean slate. And, and that doesn't mean reinventing the wheel. I mean, there, there are right. certainly good, good points. And, but there's so many pieces that come into play, good copywriting, good graphics. And even if you want to appeal to different segments, your product or right. service can appeal to a number of different people. The beauty of the Internet these days is you could have separate pages that don't have navigation that you could send people to so that your CPA page looks a certain way that would appeal to CPAs. And if you're, if you're going to speak to the Rock and Roll Marketing Association, well, they're going to be a little wilder and um, may, may have a little you know, different look and feel to it, even though it's the same type of, of service that you're offering. It's just packaged a little bit differently, but ultimately uh, there's a similar benefit. So people can take advantage of that and hopefully find a way to identify marketing tools that fit their, their budget without going too far off the deep end and, and making too many mistakes that causes them to close the doors because that to me is really tragic. And that is oh, actually yeah. one of the reasons I'm doing this show because there's so many nooks and crannies to business that you can't possibly know. No one person knows. I certainly don't. That's why I love interviewing experts such as yourself, people that have the experience and from whose mistakes we can learn and who right. are so generous with their information in, in wanting to reach out and help other entrepreneurs because we're not really competing with each other. We're trying to all make the world a better place in, in one way, shape, or form. So I, I just love that. 
Now, let's say somebody wants to invite you to come speak to their trade association or to their business. They're having an event, executive retreat or something like that. How would they get in touch with you, Denise? Yeah, of course, I would love that. Um, probably the best place is, easiest is my website, which is firestarspeaking.com. And that's got video clips and tons of articles and all kinds of stuff. And also, if anyone wants to email me a question about their own target market or any of the stuff we've talked about, I'd be glad to answer their questions. My email address is deniseryan at firestarspeaking.com. Super. What topics do you educate your audience on? What, what do you like to talk about? What so has many. been the best? <laughs> So many, well, yeah. I, yeah, I started with motivation, and that when I wrote the book, you know, Do You Burn? So that was like how to stay motivated. And then that kind of came to how to motivate your team. So I do a lot with leaders and specifically how to motivate their teams. And then that led to communication because when you're talking about being an effective leader, you have to be able to communicate. So I have a session on. So I've been doing this for about 16 years, so it's it's definitely morphed. So the communication one is you know, how to get along with others. And then I've done some things on time management. But I think what kind of sets me apart, I'm very geographically niched. A lot of my business is in the, the southeast, although I've spoken all over the country and up in Canada. Um, but it's really been client-driven. The marketplace will come to me and say, hey, we love your energy and your humor. Can you do something on this? This is our need. And when, the, when it tips enough to something I think I have some expertise on and there's enough marketplace demand, then I'll put together a session on that. And then one I did just because I wanted to do, which was Motivation by Chocolate, which has been a big hit for women's conferences, and it's a lot of fun. So several oh different goodness. products I have. <laughs> So do you hand out chocolate at these events? At that one, we do a chocolate tasting. At all the other ones, oh. I give out fireballs. <laughs> oh, my gosh. What a combination. Yeah. <laughs> chocolate tasting. Wow. Yeah. They'd be lined out the door, I can see on that one. Any excuse oh, you, to have chocolate. <laughs> oh, you, when you open all these, people's eyes light up. It's like they go back to being five years old. They're like, oh, my gosh, we're getting chocolate. And it's just, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's because it's so unbusinesslike. It's like chocolate, really? Oh, great! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's that's fun, and you know, I, I think that's so important to to keep with within the bounds of of good taste in, in business is to let the child come out. You know, there are so many things that the kids get right that somehow when we get become adults, we, we rationalize away. I was telling someone just the other day about. My goodness, when kids want to go play with another group that they see on the playground or, or over on the street, they go over there and, and it's like, what are you doing? And they say, oh, we're playing such and such game. Okay, great, I want to play. And they often ask, how do you play? Most adults mm -hmm. don't do that. They jump in with two feet. And the kids are very quick to, to straighten you out if you do that. They'll say, no, that's not the rule. But what right. do we do in business? You know, where's the rule? Oh, no, they make these excuses. Oh, well, so-and-so is a high performer. And we lose sight of the rule. We make, you know, we just, oh, God, we rationalize away. And, and a lot of times we're in denial, which causes all kinds of problems down the road. So, yeah, I think we, we need to um, bring back our, our second childhood. Now, of course, right. keeping it within good taste for business. But, yes, chocolate, knowing what the rules are, playing by the rules, being fair to each other. Oh, yeah, and, and realizing, and, and it's just, I think, for all of us entrepreneurs, to bring yourself 
into the business, you know, whether it's talking about hiding bodies or like this motivation by chocolate thing, I didn't know. I really thought, well, I like chocolate and I like motivation and what the heck. I mean, you can test new ideas and, and see. The marketplace will tell you. I've had other ideas I thought would be great that didn't work. So you, you, if you can set things up to where you can test them and then be very quick to adapt because we don't have to have a big committee meeting and a board of directors approve it and all this stuff. We can just do it, um, right. which is one of the beauties of our flexibility and freedom. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, as we're winding down here, I uh, just want to ask you one last question, and that's if you've had any parting thoughts for our listeners. Oh, yes. Well, you guys know I have to get on my box about target market, so definitely give that some thought of who that might be, and trust me, the tighter you can get that definition, the more effective and focused your marketing can be. So definitely give that some thought. Don't confuse being busy with being productive. I do that to myself all the time. I'm like, Denise, is this what you want to be doing or what you need to be doing? So definitely that one. And then don't be afraid to go old school. And by that, I mean consider things like direct mail or networking events. It doesn't have to be social media depending on the target market. And I'm not saying don't do it. That might be absolutely the thing to do. But don't forget that some of that tried and true stuff works pretty well because your competition may have gotten away from it. Great advice because we all do business with people that we know, like, and trust. And there's yeah. nothing like putting a name with a face, shaking hands, and, and getting to see all that body language and, and the warmth of someone's personality to say, you know, I like that, Denise. You know, let's talk next week. We've got something going on. I don't know if you can help us, but maybe you could point us in the right direction. And yeah. and that's what all makes it tick. That makes it tick. Yeah. Well, that's just wonderful. Thank you, Denise, for shedding some much-needed light on this important area. And your terrific energy. It, it really oh. is infectious. <laughs> and Hannah, I love working with you, so I'm so thrilled we had the opportunity to do this. You're terrific. Yeah, well, this is great, and I hope we can do it again. Giving you the inside scoop on how to ignite more business success by doing the right things in the right way. Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hassel-Kelchner. Brought to you by Business M-O-L-L-C. Thank you for joining me today on Business Confidential Now. You can get more information about today's guest and the resources we mentioned during today's show in the episode notes that are located on our website, businessconfidentialradio.com. Sometimes we even include some bonuses and goodies, so be sure to check it out. That website, again, is businessconfidentialradio.com. And also don't forget to subscribe to the show. That is the easiest way to keep up with the show and our guests, those thought leaders, experts, and authors who are transforming businesses behind closed doors around the world. Let them help you, too. Subscribe today for easy access to the business information you need to succeed. You know, the reason we call the show Business Confidential now is because you don't have time to wait. So just do it. Subscribe now and leave a review. We want to hear from you. We want you to be part of our growing Business Confidential Now family. Tell your friends and colleagues so they can subscribe too. Because the more subscribers we have, the more great guests we can bring you. And the more business intelligence you'll have available to ignite and fuel your continued business success. Have an idea or a topic, a guest that you'd like to hear on Business Confidential Now? Contact me at the website, businessconfidentialradio.com. 
and connect with me on social media too. We'd love to hear from you and stay in touch. Next week, Business Confidential Now with Hannah Hazel-Kelchner will be back with more of the business intelligence and inside scoop you need to succeed. Till then.